Hello, racing fans. Edison Hatter back with you with another episode of First Over with Edison Hatter. This time to discuss the races at Woodbine Mohawk on this coming Friday evening, August the 20th, 2021. And to help me do that, happy to be joined today by special guest Nathan Bain. Nathan and Ashwa, Harness Riders Association Canada member, as well as the track announcer at Leamington Raceway. Nathan, welcome. Thank you for having me on. Glad to be tuned in. So Nathan, you are just 19 years of age, one of the few people younger than me in this industry. So how did you first start getting involved in the harness racing industry? Well, my family's kind of always been in it. My grandpa's been in it for over 50 years. Um, my dad's been involved for some parts of his life. He kind of got out of it for a little bit, but um, I dragged him back into it. I didn't get involved until 2013 when Windsor Raceway shut down in 2012 and I started attending rallies for that to save harness racing in Windsor-Essex. So when Leamington Raceway reopened in 2013, um, it just started back as a fair track and then came back to a paramutual track. So I was kind of part of it, just building it back as a race track and all the volunteering um, that goes on behind the scenes. There's just incredible to see a race track that was closed for some years to come back. And I think just getting that small town atmosphere really brought me into it if it wasn't for leamington reopening i would have never been involved in the sport so i think just the atmosphere at the small tracks it just makes people want to be involved because it feels like everybody's a whole big family there and you just connect with everybody so you mentioned leamington where your main work is at now so you obviously started there as you mentioned back in 2014 but nowadays, you have a little bit of a cooler job there working as track announcer. Your second year now working as track announcer there. How did you come to uh, get into announcing? How did you get that job? And how are you enjoying that job? Well, I kind of, I really started watching races more when I was like 12. And I would just take a program and pretend to uh, announce the race. Definitely driving everyone else around me crazy. <laughs> but I just got the itch to do it. And then um, one day we, I asked Marty Adler. I said, could I call a race? And he said, for sure. And the association, Lakeshore Horse Racing Association, who runs the racetrack, um, they were all on board with me announcing. And then for a couple of years, I announced the race here and there, like once a year. Um, then when the opportunity became available to be the announcer, I jumped all over it because I just feel it was a perfect place to start. I knew the all the horse people, all the fans, just you feel comfortable where you grew up too so i just loved calling races and any opportunity i could get i would jump all over it no matter where the opportunity was so nathan you're a lot like me when i got started just a couple of years ago in that you are still in college currently in your second year of college or getting ready to start your second year um, while still working as a track announcer and at the track so how do you manage to balance all of that on your plate well, it's very tough. I mean, we still have, we have like seven horses of our own that are in our stable right now. So I just got to balance that too. Um, right now I've been going to the barn every morning. So it takes about two, three hours out of your day. So I'll try to go as much as possible once school starts. So I have a lot of morning classes. So I'll be able to go in the afternoon, but I'll still be busy with the track because we do go a lot during the week and do some work there um, to prep everything. But I still have to do my race for the program, so I always do those right when the draw comes out Wednesday afternoon um, so I can get my picks in the program. So I'll still do that. I'll still help out with promotions and 
um, social media, that kind of stuff, just to make sure everything stays organized. And but I won't get to be involved as much, but I'll stay as involved as much as I can. So for those listening in here that may be interested in Leamington, so you guys race on Sundays, correct, through the rest of October. Um, you do have some online wagering options available, and your first post time is 1 p.m., I'm correct, 1.30? Uh, we were 1.30, but now we're 1 p.m. this year. Okay, so 1 p.m. this year on Sundays, continuing through October the 31st. And what about online wagering? What options are out there for fans that may want to wager on the Leamington races and watch them? Well, we're really trying to – get on more sites like right now we're on twin spires um hpi bet for those in canada um off track betting.com watch and wager i think what we really want to get on is start building on more sites our handle has really been growing this year we're betting double than we were last year so far so i think it'd be good some of the other smaller tracks are on tvg like i know clinton hanover they do a really good job there and they have really good handles and they're on tvg um, available on their site. So it'd be nice to get on sites like that, Express Bet. So hopefully we can open it up to a new variety. I think with the handle rising certainly helps things, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully. I know sometimes for me, who obviously just loves watching as much harness racing as possible, there are some of those that are a little trickier to see. I know Clinton, I know they've got their lives from their website, got to watch it there. I know you guys do too at Leamington, uh, Charlottetown as well. So can't quite watch all of them through the ADWs on uh, TVG, but at least there are options out there for those that want to follow along with this the year, harness racing up there in Canada. Yeah, this year uh, on track helped some of the smaller tracks um, to get an embedded code. So before you'd have to go, it'd give you a link, and then you have to go to the track's website. Like now on HPI this year, it pops right up on there, same as the other tracks. So I think that makes it a lot easier for viewing. And the small tracks are almost to the same level streaming-wise as the B track, so it's great to see. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear for you guys. Good to hear your handles up, and hopefully those trends will continue for sure. So, Nathan, something that I'm sure you get asked a lot, for sure something that I get asked a lot. In fact, I just um, answered to it in an interview in the Daily Racing Forum a couple of weeks ago. How do we get people our age, young people, in, interested in the sport of harness racing? Well, I really like what happened at the Meadowlands back in July, um, teaching people how to call a race. I think definitely making young people feel comfortable and putting on seminars and bringing them out, doing experiences at the track, giving them opportunities. Um, I think that's something our industry definitely lacks, definitely over here too, because I think we need more options for people to get involved. Like do seminars. I know... Last year, Hanover Race, we did a small track summit and bring new ideas forward, like how do we get more youth involved. And definitely the smaller tracks really have an interest in getting them involved and brainstorming ideas. But it's hard to try to figure out what young people want. So I think making our streams very visible and good to watch and just having a good on-track experience is also very important too making it fun, making other events, having stuff there that will catch the attention of young people. Um, I know we had, for the last couple of years before COVID at Leamington, we'd have bike giveaways at the tracks. We had over 40 bikes giveaway. Um, I've never seen so many youth at the track. So just having something at the track that will make the youth want to come and get them involved in the sport, just watching the races, seeing the beautiful horses, that definitely gets their attention. 
That's a very good answer there, and for sure I'm glad you mentioned my employer at the Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment, East Rutherford, New Jersey, because I was also going to mention not only did we hold that uh, announcer's workshop back on July the 10th, uh, Ken Warkington hosted, I helped along with it as well as Dave Brower, and for sure that definitely got a lot of young people the opportunity to call a race and learn from someone as great as Ken Warkington, but also, I believe it was two weeks later, on Saturday, July 24th, we had the youth night at the Meadowlands with a free $5,000 handicapping contest for 18 to 30-year-olds, which I thought was great. That's um, a fantastic gave it, idea. It certainly was. I mean, obviously, it cost the track a little bit of money to put out the prizes. I believe we also gave free programs to people and as well as food vouchers. So, you know, a little bit of money, you know, a little bit of overhead for, for the track. But for sure, I know a lot of the people I talked to in our age group really enjoyed that night coming out to the track, many of them for the first time ever. And hopefully, you know, that little bit of monetary investment from the track will for sure create some new harness racing fans um, going forward. Um, and additionally, I know the other thing that I always talk about, and I'm sure you can agree on this for sure, is I think free pass performances are really an important topic. Obviously, with any other type of sports wagering, for example, you can get free you know, statistics on anything you want in the world. And yet for many racetracks, you still have to pay for past performances, but I do have to give great credit to you guys up north. I know a lot of Canadian tracks are really, really good about free past performances. Yeah, every uh, track in Ontario that I know of is free programs. Um, I think that's definitely something our industry, hopefully we will see in the next couple of years, is like finding data and statistics. It's so hard to do. Like, as I said before, I do my picks before the program comes out. So just finding a results on the horses it's tricky to do without paying a lot of money to buy credits and that from jackets so it can get a bit pricey so i think young people love seeing statistics and data of the horses to know as much information as they can so technical is the way how youth operate so that's something we definitely need to work on in the next couple of years and you know i'd happy to help help the industry with that too i'd love to see something happen there so, Nathan, one last thing we'll talk about here before we get into handicapping. Um, one other thing for getting youth involved. Now, this was my personal opinion that I said in, in the DRF interview a couple weeks ago, and I did get some um, feedback from people that didn't necessarily agree with this, so you're welcome to disagree with me as well. But personally, I believe, and New Jersey's getting very close to this, personally, I think the fixed odds wagering will be a significant game changer to some degree. I think there's a lot of people that I know my age that love sports betting and get very confused when they go to the track and bet a horse at, say, 3-1, to one, and they think that they're going to get $400 back on their $100 investment, only to find out that the horse, you know, of course, as you're aware, in the paramutual arena, ended up being bet down to, say, 4-5 to five by post time. So personally, I think fixed odds wagering could be a game-changer in that spec, but what do you think about that? Well, I definitely think there's pros and cons to it, but I think more recently we've seen an issue people like, the horse would be like two to one going the gate. Then when the gate springs, the horse is one to nine. Or another thing, another problem we've been seeing at some of the tracks is like the, someone will put like 5,000 to win on a horse and then a minute to post, they'll take the money out then the horse goes up and then it messes up the odds for everyone. So I think it's definitely something worth looking at, um, going through all the pros and cons and that, but it's definitely something worth considering, I think. Yeah, for sure. I, I know us at Rosecroft down in Fort Washington, Maryland, we also have the problem once in a while of people putting in a big win bet or even a big show bet for that matter and then pulling it out right before a post. And, you know, the issues of horses making those significant drops in prices going to the gate is 
Obviously something that harness racing particularly experiences, but I know it's come up this week even on the thoroughbred side with Saratoga, obviously one of the biggest race meets in the world, but even there with their handle having problems with this, with horses dropping drastically as they come out of the gate. So for sure could be something to keep an eye on here as the fixed odds wagering bill makes its way through the New Jersey legislature. So with that, Nathan, what do you say we get to some handicapping? We're going to take a look here at the Friday Woodbine Mohawk card. And as we mentioned, a lot of the Canadian tracks offer free pass performances. So does Woodbine Mohawk. So you can go to woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs to get your free program and follow along with Nathan and I as we talk through this sequence. And we're going to talk, as always, about the $100,000 guaranteed early pick five sequence, a 20 cent base wager races one, two, three, four, and five in the sequence. And Nathan has a $21.60 ticket. I'll give you a $14.40 ticket. So we jump right in here with race one for Ontario Sire two-year-old fillies. It's part of the grassroots starters. Non-winners of one race or 7,600 lifetime on the pace, a purse of 15,000. Nathan, who did you use in this race and why go? Well, this was kind of a tough leg. I mean, especially two-year-olds are much tougher um, to handicap. There could have been much more that I couldn't include in here, but I kind of narrowed down to two. Um, I the two feel it in your hands. Race last time on August 13th here, so coming off a recent start. Does show some decent closing speed. I think this he's watching fairly. Could show a little bit from post two. I think if she just gets up closer, she could do much more and hopefully she can get a good trip. And this is a much softer bunch than what she's been facing. I think this is a pretty wide open bunch. None of them are really coming off much their last start. So that makes it a bit tougher. I also included the 10 day to party race on August 10, post three, finished second, 54 and two. Um, re really shows times that will be competitive in this field. There's nothing really else that's been going the speed that she has. Some of them, a lot of them are coming off of half mile track. So some of them are. So it makes it very interesting. Some are a lot better on the 7 8 oval. So uh, it's hard, it was hard to narrow this one down, to be honest. That's why I just put it down at 2 and 10. Yeah, for sure. Two-year-old's always tricky. We will see a couple of those in the sequence, I believe. But for me, I'm with you with the two. Feel it in your hands. I'm going to take a stand against the 10 day to party. But given how uh, my handicapping has been on the show lately, generally my uh, guests do very well in the first leg. And I'm usually knocked out in the first leg. So those listening probably want to make a significant win bet on the 10 here. <laughs> but for me, I will use the two. Feel it in your hands. I'm also going to use the three best watch out who I thought was closing very well last time out, just a little bit too far back at the half mile and three quarters, um, but maybe can get a little bit better, a little closer up here. Post three, a nice draw here tonight for her. Seven to two on the morning line. Best watch out is one I'll include. And also the seven Maralu. I know eight to one on the morning line, but I think with two-year-olds especially, there's always something to be said for horses that have won before and know what that's like. So she is the only previous winner in this field. Now, albeit that was against much easier company down at Grand River back on August the 6th, 57-2 and two the winning time, came home in 29-4, winner just by a nose. But I thought she raced pretty well here last Friday at Mohawk, finishing fifth beat only by two and three quarters, 24-1 that day, came home in 28-3, final time of 55-4 against similar company to what she will see here tonight. So we'll include her as well for me. So two, three, and seven for me here in race one. So as we turn to the second leg, this is Ontario Sire Stakes Gold Division two-year-old Phillies, a $101,400 purse on the trot. Nathan, what do you think about this race? Um, two-year-old trotters, especially Phillies, are the most 
probably the most risky bet you can do, but this is a very nice looking bunch here, and you could go very deep in here, but I did, I just narrowed it down to the five Elegant Mermaid and the six Dabber Day. I think these ones do show a lot of speed, especially coming out of the Ben Bellarjon barn. You can't ignore any, especially a trotter. They are very, they handle the trotters very well, and Sylvan driving, he knows how to get a horse across the line, especially a two-year-old. Made a break last time in the Pure Ivory, but was a winner before in the Gold Series in 57-3 last quarter in 28-2. A winner there by two, and Sylvan was on that night. So a bit of a break since the last time she raced, but two-year-olds, you never know with them, especially ones that have shown that do have a win on their card. I also went to the sixth Dabber Day, another one that made a break, but before that was showing some good speed. Off a second and a first, Louis Philippois on board, so he definitely could get along with this one well. Definitely, I would toss out her latest, but before that, it did show some good speed, and it's used to the outside, so that doesn't really scare me. So this one was a tougher bunch. I would almost you could include the five, six, seven, and eight, but making it a bit pricey, so that's why I narrowed it down to the five and six here. Well, Nathan, on that note, I did go 5, 6, 7, and 8 here, but it did make it a little more pricey, so that's why I've got a single later in the sequence that I'm going to try to use to narrow down my price. But, um, yeah, to, to keep my comments brief here, uh, the 5 Elegant Mermaid uh, could win if she doesn't make a break again. <laughs> the 6 Dapper Day could win if she doesn't make a break again. The 7 Grace could win if she doesn't make a break again. And the eight resolving is kind of the interesting one down at Grand River last time out. $100,000 Ontario Sire Stakes Gold Division from post eight on that half mile track. She took over past the half mile and just drew clear, winning by 11 and a quarter in the I end. I watched that race. That was, that was a pretty interesting race. She was the one of the two. I don't remember how big of a field it was in that race, but she was the one out of the two horses that didn't make a break in that race. So. That's why I kind of really held back on her a little bit, just to see. I want to see a little bit more out of her. Um, yep. Being the race was kind of, she was the only one really left there. So it'd be interesting to see what she does in a field where they don't, where there's a lot more competitive horses. So kind of the question mark on that horse. For sure, as I was alluding to, for sure the question mark of this field. Um, correct. There was a lot of breakers in that. It was a field of eight, but a lot of breakers in there. Wins by a wide margin, not a highly impressive time. Uh, 36 to 1 final price, so she was not particularly liked that day. And for sure, gets tougher company here today. Post 8 to deal with again, but nonetheless could be the better price of those four. So we'll throw her in there. So 5, 6, 7, and 8 from 8+. Plus. Given that the 5, 6, and the 7, my other three choices have all made breaks in their most recent starts, maybe she will find herself the fortuitous uh, benefactor of a lot of breakers again, possibly. Again, as we've alluded to. Two-year-old fillies, trotters, and more. I, very, more look at it too. I think, I think Grace might get bet, bet down a little bit too because Tubac was second in a gold division at Mohawk, especially James McDonald driving. He has the hottest hands of the racetrack right now. So, I think this one might you'll see a little action on her since her experience in the gold on July sixth at Mohawk. Definitely could. She's been an odds-on favorite in her two most recent starts, including that start two back at Wood by Mohawk. So for sure will be a very interesting race. Race two about Ontario Sire Stakes Gold Division. Two-year-old Philly Trotters. So five, six, seven, eight for me. You're just going with the five and the six as we move on to race three. Ontario Sire Stakes Grassroots. Now we're up to the three-year-old 
Colt and Geldings on the pace for a purse of 23.850. Nathan, how'd you see this one? Well, I was took a bit of a more of a price on this one. I went to the two, nine, and ten in the third leg. I mean, Jimmy Connor B um getting the class relief coming from the gold level was fourth in that field of twelve coming from post six was off by twelve by ten lengths of the quarter, finishing fourth by two lengths, coming home in twenty-five and three. Um, getting Doug McNair on this time, so that definitely helps the chances. And last time was in the in the grassroots level, was a winner by two and one fifty-two and three, and he really stepped it up when he went against tougher pacing in 15-3, 15-2. I think this one's gonna be pretty tough in this field, especially even from a good post. I also threw in the nine no plan intended after that very impressive performance last time at Dresden. Not only setting the record for three-year-olds, but setting the entire track record of 153-4 and four on August 2nd. And he just dominated them, winner by 16 lengths. I think this one's kind of hard to leave off the ticket after that impressive performance. And has had some luck, won a grassroots division at Mohawk on July 10th. So this horse gets around any size track, so I don't really want to leave him off the ticket. I also went to the 10 Pro Line, coming out of the Luke Blay Barn. First last time, also another one that was a winner at Dresden over the half mile in 55 and 1. Went on top and they never caught him. Does get post 10, but Bob knows how to get a horse in a good spot early on, so that helped. So 2 9 10 for me in the third. Yeah, good full field here of 11. The 11 obviously being in that trailing post position for this third race. And for me, I just took the 2 and the 9. Uh, you pretty much already hit the points for me here, so it makes my job easy. The two Jimmy Connor B for sure at 74 to 1. Pretty good in that Ontario Sire Stakes race two weeks ago. Getting away dead last and just a massive back half from him. 25 and 3. Worth reiterating. 25 and 3 for that last quarter. He was absolutely flying home, losing by two lengths to a very good Bulldog Hanover who won that race. And then the nine, no plan intended, as you mentioned, a very, very impressive winner down in Dresden. Was only a field of five, but nonetheless, that 53 and four time, as you mentioned, a track record, a very impressive performance. One to 20, so the money sure was right that day. We'll see how he does on the step up to the 7 8 track here and a little tougher company. So, two, nine for me, two, nine, ten for Nathan in the third leg. So we move on to race four. Phillies and Mayors, non winners of 15,500 in their last five starts, or non winners of 33,500 in their last 10 starts. Purse of 24,000. This is on the pace. Nathan, what do we got? Well, I went deep again in here. Uh, there's just so many nice horses that are capable of winning this. You got Kendall Sealster, Better Be Donna. Um, the other one is Treacherous Rain. This one kind of put a question mark on her. I'll start with Kendall Sealster. Dropping down was in the preferred level for two stars. The last time she was at this level on July 23rd was a winner there, 151 flat. Joe Jamison drove that night, leaving from post one. So definitely the center of the gate is kind of the best place to start from. But I think from the rail that she can show some speed, she likes to get away kind of mid-pack and then make a move approaching the three quarters. Does have some good last quarters, so that's definitely on her side. If she ha brings her A game, she could beat this group. I also included Better Be Donna. Uh, race at this level last time, got beat by a nose. Pace in 51 and 2, last quarter in 27 and 3. So at this level, she seems to be very competitive. Um, two back was higher up, but I think getting in a decent group again, she should be okay from post two. Lastly, I'm going to touch on the Savage Treacherous Rain. 
first start last time back in Canada. In a much tougher level, one level above this, finished 7.51 and 4. But second start back in Canada, she should be a little more ready to go, a little more tight there. And getting a little class relief, I think she could show, I think she could go to her full potential in this race. So that is one, two, and seven for you, Nathan. For me, this is the single of the sequence. I'm going to go with the seven, Treacherous Rain. And I think I'm becoming known in the first couple shows here for sure, being very, very biased towards the horses that I've gotten the chance to see at the Meadowlands. But once again, I will say the seven, Treacherous Rain, I felt looked very good at the Meadowlands, obviously trying some pretty tough stakes company down there. Uh, Tom McCarthy drove, him, drove her pretty well in a couple of those races, just kind of got her in the right spot, and obviously she just wasn't quite as good as what she was facing, but some good last quarters down there at the Meadowlands for sure, a 25-3 and three in a Trackmaster rating route back on June 26th. The next week followed up with a 26-1 and one kicker to finish a mile in 48-4, so she definitely can go quick enough. Uh, Bob McClure back aboard second week in a row or second start in a row here. Second time back in Canada, right, for sure. Hopefully she'll show a little bit more fitness here. Bit of a tough trip, that kind of first overlook at it two weeks ago. Was a winner when seeing it non-winners of 9,000 level back on June the 12th. That was at the Big M. And now, obviously, has been facing tougher since then. So this kind of middle drop move here, this non-winners of 15-5, might be the right spot for her. So that's my single on the sequence. We'll take a chance there with the seven treacherous rain in race four as we turn to the payoff leg race five ontario sire stakes grassroots three-year-old colts and geldings twenty-three thousand eight hundred and fifty. the purse on the pace nathan what do you bring us home with there is a couple that kind of caught my eye in here there wasn't really one it wasn't really type of race where one was jumping off the page to me so i counted the one saltwater savage Race in overnight condition last time on August 14th. Finished fourth there in 51-2. and two. Uh, Bob McClure drove that night. So I think he should be competitive from the rail because last time race in OSS um, at Mohawk was a winner there in 15-4. Had the rail, so leaving from the rail once again. He seems to like that spot at, at Mohawk. So I think this one could show some somewhat of an early speed and could get in the mix and I definitely wouldn't leave that one off the ticket. I also took a look at the six Stonebridge Direct. Another one that's done well in the Ontario Sire Stakes program. Last time we raced in there, had a second and a third. So, and those are from tougher posts. So, Doug McNair seems to get along well with his control of the moment yelling. I also, the one I kind of put the question mark on was the 10 PL Aussie. I, I think he hasn't shown his best out with the last start, but leaving from post 10, obviously a tough spot. And that was against the gold level, and that was the field of 12. Does get the post 10 again, but dropping down to the grassroots level is a much easier group than the gold. So I think post 10, he'll have to push a little bit to get out of there, but I think if he can finish the mile well and get some cover or a breather there, he should be able to stay with this group and hit the try, I think, for sure. So for me, I do like the 10 PL Aussie. I'm with you there. Post 10, that was an interesting Effort two weeks ago really had to blister lead through some really tough fractions. 25 and 4, 53 and 4 to the half, 22 and 3 to 3 quarters, and obviously got tired from there. So another post 10, post God's not very kind to PL Ozzy there, but he is a must include for me. The four Lord Anthony was the other one I included, who obviously faced much easier last week at Wood by Mohawk, but did it pretty well from post five, led all of the way. And came up with 28 and 1 to finish the mile in 51 and 1 as your 2 to 1 favorite. So definitely the waters get deeper here today for him. 
But 9-2 on the morning line, if he can take that jump up in class well, I think he's in with a chance to pull the upset. And also the 9-century Hannibal, this is another big price for me, 10-1 to on the morning line. Now it comes off of a 6 scratch, which I never do like to see, and had post-10 the week before that here at Wood by Mohawk, or a couple weeks prior to that, rather, July 24th. Got away second, so did leave off of the gate, and just kind of tired from there. Bit of a tough trip. Before that, back on July 10th, from post-7 in this Ontario Sire Stakes, ended up having to come first over. Did finish second, but also just was not good enough to quite get there in the end at 8-5. to five. So from post-9, not quite sure on the type of trip that he will end up getting. He does lose Bob McClure, picks up Jody Jameson, but for the positive, he does like to win 4 for 9 this year. So maybe tonight at a big price could be the night that he gets back to that winning form. I really like so, that one's lines. The only thing I was concerned about hadn't raced since July 24th, and it concerned me scratch 6. So something obviously not right with that one, but hopefully he can get his game back on. So it may take a start. So that's why I kind of left him off the ticket. For, that was the only reason I left him off the ticket. But for his line, that way he looks very well. And if he does bring his A game, he should be right up there. Yeah, tough to fall to on that one. For sure has had the time off, and obviously um, that, that's part of the reason why he's going to be such a big price. Definitely might need a race or two, but if he doesn't, he's ready to fire tonight, then maybe that's the great price to close out my pick five ticket. And to recap those pick five tickets for you, Nathan, we have 210 with 5-6, with 2-9-10, with 1-2-7, with 1-6-10 to close it out. That's a $21.60 play. And for me, it is two, three, seven with five, six, seven, and eight with two, nine with seven with four, nine, ten. That's a fourteen dollar and forty cent play. So let's turn a little bit later on in the program with our last few minutes remaining here, Nathan, and just talk briefly about some of the other featured races on the Friday evening card. Eleven races, by the way, with my Mohawk on Friday night, and we'll turn back now to race seven, the Ontario Sire State Gold Division two-year-old fillies. First of 102,200 on the trot, a field of nine. Nathan, what's your top selection in here? Under the four, Dare Castle. This two-year-old muscle mass really has done nothing wrong, never made a break. Never lost a race, two for two lifetime. Does lose Bob McClure, obviously going to Luke Blay connections as expected. Race went to the half mile, took that transition very well, was the winner there by six and 57 and one, and actually went faster. She went faster at Grand River last time on July 28th than she did at Mohawk, her first start there on July 6th. So that's very impressive. So I think she's only going to keep improving here. And who knows what kind of miles she can go, especially James McDonald, like I said earlier, the hot hands at Mohawk right now. This one leaving from the center of the gate, she just could go leave right out of there and maybe not even catch her. But And she hasn't shown any signs of making breaks, and it's perfect two for two. So I just... Very tough to go against her. I agree there. I'll go with the four Derek Castle as well. Two for two so far. Just uh, no no mistakes yet. She's won pretty easily by over four lengths in both those two starts. The times might not have been as fast as, per se, what Rose Run Eccentric has done, but she definitely has faced no pressure along the way yet, so I think she can go faster. And for sure, that had to be, obviously, with the Luke Blake connections, probably where Bob McClure was going to go, but... <laughs> He did have a pretty good choice there with the three morning line favorites all listing him to drive. So that's got to be a pretty good uh, feeling as a driver to be in that position for sure in a $100,000 race. Um, so as we move on to the next race, we'll go to race eight. That's that Phillies and Mares preferred on the pace for a purse of 30000 Who would you pick in there, Nathan? Well, I'm being bad. I went to the favorite so much more. I just – I've followed this horse 
most of her career and I just really enjoy watching her. She has a lot of heart. You definitely need that in racing, especially being in the preferred level pretty well every week. She won six out of 14 starts this year, over $130,000 in the bank. And that's pretty impressive with two shutdowns so far this year in Ontario to make that much money back already with the short time of racing that we've had. So James McDonald drives this mare every week and rarely does she ever miss hitting the board. She's always a safe bet to go because you know she's going to be up in the action. She's just too good to go against. Very classy field here for sure in the eighth race. Now, for me, the horse that I picked last week that didn't get it done for me was the two-liter Rose. So going to give her one more chance. Going to go right back there again. She gets a better post roll than she did last week. She got away fifth off the gate from post seven last Friday. Ended up having to come first over past three quarters and ended up being beat by three quarters of a length in the end. Two to one that day. Came home in 26 to two. Final time of 50 and two. She obviously had some wins before that, and she's also one that very consistent type has hit the board in all five of five tries this year, a couple of wins, a couple of thirds, and a second-place finish as well. So we'll try Lee at the Rose for a second week in a row. Kind of the, those two have kind of been rivals here for a little bit, so I think it's going to come down to who gets the better trip and who gets the best breather and who gets the best cover, and I think that's what it's going to come down to. These two have been battling it out for quite a bit. They have been, and it will be interesting to see the way this race develops because there's definitely some in here that can leave out if they want to. So it will be interesting to see who ends up having to come first over, who ends up getting that second over spot, who gets to sit the pocket. So it will be interesting to see what the race shape is for sure in the eighth race. So one more race to talk about here, Nathan, before we wrap up. Let's talk about race 11. Ontario Sire Stakes, that grassroots, that three-year-old Colts and Geldings, first 23,850 on the pace. And by the way, there was 33 horses entered. And they split it into three divisions. So we've already talked about the other two divisions. This is the third of three divisions, another full field of 11. Who do you like in here? Well, I kind of took a bit of a rest onto the outside to can't stop lying. Has done okay from outside positions before. Was second out of the eight hole, two starts back uh, at Mohawk there in 15-1. I think Louis Philippois is good for this goal and anything's come out of the Nick Lucci barn right now has been pretty good, especially in the Ontario Sire Stakes program. So you can't really go wrong. And this one shows a lot of consistency at time wise. 153, 151, and just shy $50,000 in the bank this year, just off of eight starts. I'm not scared to take a little bit of a risk to the outside for horse that's on such good form and has done it from outside post position. So seven to two morning lines. Okay. On this one, but I think, Dropping down the grass until even after racing, okay, but okay in the gold. I think you can't go really wrong there. Well, for me, I'm going to eat a little bit more chalk here in this race, and probably, probably a pretty short price. I've got to think on the five better son, um, a fifth place finisher down at Northfield went down for the Milstein on the Grand Circuit last Saturday evening, three hundred thousand dollar race. Had the rail left out of there, had to lead through that twenty six second flat half opening quarter. Ended up uh, losing the lead then going to the half-mile station. And they did go quick in that race, 53-2 and two to the half, 48-4 the final time as Charlie May avenged that Meadowlands pace loss. But for Milstein, um, coming back here to Canada, has two wins at Wood so far this year, both at Woodbine, a couple of seconds, a third-place finish as well, and was a winner in the Ontario Sire Stakes 
against this type of level of company back on July the 31st by six and a half, a pretty authoritative winner. So I'll take a chance with the five better son in that 11th race. I think better son is the one to beat. Um, uh, if you're looking for a price, he's not the route to go. He'll definitely be the favorite in here. No doubt about that, especially McNair connections and racing that well on a half mile track. Obviously North field is pretty well home of the flying turns, the fastest, one of the fastest half mile tracks ever. So I just think this one's going to be bet down too much, and I know he's the best thing here, but I'm looking for a little bit of a price. Yeah, it definitely will take a lot of money and, you know, cannot fault you for trying to beat him because the other thing to consider is, you know, these horses are not uh, machines, so that that's a pretty good trip to go from Canada down to Cleveland and back up again um, within a week. So for sure, might uh, want a race or two back in Canada, so we'll see what he brings in that 11th race, part of that Ontario Sire Stakes grassroots division. So that's about all the time we have time for here today. So I'd like to thank Nathan Bain for joining us. Nathan, thank, thank you, you for having me on. And we'll hopefully have you back with us tomorrow night here on First Over with Edison Hatter. We'll have special guest Alex Sawsville to talk us through the Saturday evening action at Wood by Mohawk. But again, this wraps up the episode on Friday evening's action this Friday, August the 20th, 2021. First post time is always at 7 p.m. at Woodbine Mohawk, 11 races on the card. And again, you can get a free program for yourself by going to woodbine.com backslash mohawk backslash free hyphen programs. Until next time, Edison Hatter signing off.